Welcome to the Brick Podcast. I'm Laurie Graham, publisher of Brick Magazine, and in this episode, poet, translator, linguist, and literary giant Robert Bringhurst reads life poem in memoriam Stan Draglin, 1942 to 2022, from Brick issue 111. Stan Dregland was the founder of Brick, along with Gene Mackay in 1977, and Stan too was something of a giant, both to us here at the magazine and to so many who have lived lives in the literary. He and Gene first conceived of Brick as a journal of reviews that went deeper than what you'd find elsewhere, reviews that insisted on proceeding with love, humor, liveliness, introspection, and astonishment. As Stan himself put it in his piece for Brick's 100th issue, Despite all I have been taught about how to read, I still have the sensation of reading as when I was a child, voraciously, wonderingly, gratefully. Though now it's a text with soul that's most likely to grab me and hold. The poem you're about to hear is just such a text. As with so much of Robert Bringhurst's work, the gaze of the poem is long, spanning playfully at times humanity's duration as a species. Life poem both springs from and speaks to the relationship between language and life. The poem's whole being is trying to say something about being. And throughout, we're caught by language's music and its endless capacity for riddle. Something I think Stan would have been tickled by, and I think you will be too. Here's Robert Bringhurst reading Life Poem from Brick's current issue. Life Poem in memory of Stan Dragon. Life is language, I wanted to say. Only problem, it isn't. Not language exactly, not language as such. Not a particular language either, though it has a lot to say. In fact, no end of things to say. And it can listen through the cracks, as every language needs to do. Is it something like a language, a metaphor for language? Or is language a metaphor for it? Of course, of course. But more like many languages than one, like what we call a language family, which is to say, a swarm. A swarm in time, in which the living keep on dancing with the dead, because the dead keep flying close beside the not-yet-born. If it were one, the one and only living language, life wouldn't be alive, or not for long. But swarms are acrobats in time. They grow, shrink, dodge, faint, scatter and reform. They have the ears and wings to do so. Ears enough to constitute a halfway disembodied mind. 
Life heard us coming, and we'll be here watching closely, hungry, wary, wounded, wordless, like the snakes of Fukushima and the lynxes of Chernobyl when we go. But we'll not speak of us or curse us or have any name to give us when we are gone. Life has been married to language so long that you might think the two could finish or begin each other's somersaults and sentences. They don't. It only seems as if they do. Why? Life is being discovering speech, which is to say being discovering being. Is language being discovering life? It might be so. Which does not mean that speech and being are the same. Language is a sign of life, like swimming, and a form of life, like eels. But it's not a way of living. It's also not the life that anything lives not even ideas. Your life is not a language, and your language isn't life. Yet languages of some kind, nucleic and behavioral, for instance, are everywhere you listen, look, or rest your empty hand among the living. Unspokenness is not life either, but it, too, can be a sign of life. Just not where there's no hope of being spoken. Your speechlessness might mean you've dodged or leapfrogged death and come in the desert of words or the sea of language to an island or oasis of not speaking. The sun's chants in the great celestial darkness is the snowball's chants in hell. But there it is. And there, impossibly far off and getting farther, are the hundred billion galaxies of others, younger and older, larger and smaller. Not Forever, no, but yes, for the entire past and future, and for now. That sun, just one of many, but the only one there is that is the sun, rains days and nights on spitted rock and shattered water. Underneath those fists and hammers, grammars sprout. They crawl like moss across a lexicon of elements. Not the celibate elements, no. Not radium, plutonium, or helium, or neon, and not platinum or gold. The speech palette and dictionary of life and life in waiting consists of six or ten essential syllables and twenty-odd occasional inflections. 
Some of what is, that is, is the engine, and some of what is, is along for the ride. It's said those elements are lifeless, yet they speak and they are spoken. They have, it's said, a lexicon and grammar all their own. Spun and woven of electrons, protons, neutrons, which are spun of something more invisible yet. And is that everyone's and everything's first language? Every language's first language? Many languages, like this one, are intangible. Their phonemes and their morphemes may be slow. Slow as bristle cones, slow as sequoias, but aren't they still as weightless as the particles of light? The sun, in any case, rains down. Atoms bond where they can bond, and grammars sprout where they can sprout. Acids, sugars, proteins, fat and other phrases, clauses, sentences, congeal and then repeat, repeat. They say what they can say, and sometimes something more than that. Dancing knee to knee and toe to toe with others, they carve shapes in space and time. The shapes are stories. With their borrowed mouths, the stories drink and feed and lick their wounds and do their best to reproduce. And so a language not yet spoken, not yet written, not yet thought is caught or not between the carbon and the hydrogen, the phosphorus, and sulfur, and the rest of the short list of what we are, and maybe everybody is. And there it learns, or not, to write, to sing, to talk. In time, the ones who carry it and feed it start, or not, to hear what's sung, what's said, to read what's never more than partly written, and to talk to what they hear, to say yes and, yes but, and no, and more than that, and more than that, but acrobat or not, when you have drowned out, hollowed out, and starved out every language you could find, your own included. Life and death are left with nothing more to say to you and no choice but to say it. Softly at first, in no language at all, so softly and so plainly and so clearly you might almost try at first to say it could not, could not possibly be you that they are talking and not talking to. Mm -hmm.
You've been listening to Robert Bringhurst reading Life Poem, which can be found in Brick's current issue on newsstands now. You can also read the poem and order the current issue on our website, brickmag.com. Life Poem appears in Bringhurst's new collection of poetry called The Ridge, published by Harbor Publishing. Thank you for listening. And be sure to subscribe both to the Brick Podcast and to the magazine. Go to brickmag.com to learn more.